Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Lift Your Life podcast. I hope everyone is doing good. Everyone is having a lovely day. Everyone is well, all that, you know, cliche stuff. You have to stay just to be polite at the start of a podcast. Today's episode, we are talking all things metabolism, all things why certain people can seemingly eat more food than others. I had the idea for this episode based off well, based off a few things, a few conversations I've had with people in DM messages and one of my clients who was basically saying to me that they don't understand why their friends can seemingly eat so much food and have abs all year round. And I was having some DMs with some ladies who were on about, oh, I, just don't, I don't understand it. Why can, why can my partner eat so much? Why can my friends eat so much and they can sustain their weight? So it's nothing to do with metabolisms being broken. It's nothing to do with people being unlucky or anything along those lines. There is a bit of genetics, but there's also a little bit that you might just not have considered and understand when it comes to why certain people can't eat so much. And I just basically want to fill you in and get you really clear as to why that is in this episode so that you don't have the element of frustration because it does feel frustrating when you see someone on the surface and think, what the hell? They just always seem to be eating whatever and then just just not gaining weight. What the hell? So Let's start at first with what metabolism is, right? Metabolism is the process of converting the food that we eat into energy. And the energy that we use is a multitude of things. So it is the energy that we need at rest, which is your basal metabolic rate, your resting metabolic rate. And that's just the calories your body needs to sustain bodily functions. You've then got exercise, so planned formal exercise. You then got NEAT, so non-activity non-exercise activity thermogenesis so your steps basically and then the thermic effect of food which is utilizing well the calories you use to actually break down your food so if we actually just start with your resting metabolic rates um there's different things that have a different caloric burn so you've got your organs um muscle bone and fat so organs, I think roughly burn about 24 calories per pound. Muscle is six calories per pound. Bone is one calorie per pound and fat is two calories per pound. So the first thing that we can identify from this piece of information is that ultimately the heavier you are in total with all of the mass of fat and organs and muscle and bone, the more calories you are going to need to sustain your body weight just for its base, basic function. But what you can also see here is that the higher muscle mass you have, the higher calories you need. So this is why some people can look really, really good and look, quote unquote, in shape. But in terms of their BMI, be overweight, but it's just because they've got a very, very high percentage of muscle to, to fat ratio. So that's the first thing to consider is actually thinking of someone's body composition. How much do they actually weigh? How much of it is muscle mass? And some people genetically just do have a higher level of muscle mass or can put on muscle mass a lot easier, which I'm very jealous of those people. So when you think about your body composition at this perspective, composition is a huge one. So if you know someone who seemingly can eat loads and loads, but they've got really high muscle mass, well, then they're going to be burning. They can eat a lot more than someone who maybe weighs the same, who has a higher fat mass percentage because fat requires two calories, whereas muscle is six. So it's three times higher. So the heavier someone is and the more muscle they have, the more calories they need to sustain their weight. So that is the first thing that you, you can learn from, from that piece of information. And then you then need to consider the fact that when you actually do lose weight, you will have a decrease in that. And people forget about this. So let's just say you start your diet at 1800 calories as a ballpark figure. 
as you drop body fats, you'll, you, you then see that that two calories per pound of body fat is then going to go down. So when you drop 10 pounds, you know, that's maybe 20 calories or roughly that you are, um, you are losing. Now that's a really arbitrary number. And these statistics and figures are just kind of rough ones. Remember that when you do lose fat, you may lose a little bit of muscle mass as well. So it's kind of like a rough figure because you're thinking, well, I don't, I probably need to eat less than 20 calories if I drop 10 pounds and you probably do. And this is because when you actually lose weight, you'll then find that your energy output decreases as well, because you have less energy available to come in. You know, we can't just magic energy out of thin air like harry potter whoosh our body only has so much energy to give so when you start to lose weight you'll start to lose how much energy you put out in your exercise sessions and just in day-to-day movement and studies have actually shown that this can be actually around 400 calories so you could be doing the exact same in terms of what you're eating but because your energy levels are dropping you are then basically trying to preserve your energy and then you're then moving less. So your overall caloric burn is then less, if that makes sense, which is why then you have a bit of a stall, have a bit of a plateau. And it's like, what the hell? And this is because your body's trying to be efficient. Your body is always trying to be the most efficient it can be in preserving energy. So when you start to move around less to preserve the energy, because that's not an essential function, you only have so much energy coming in and your body's going to be like, right, what is essential here? The essential calories are for that, my organs and muscles and bones, I, I need those, um, which is again, why your body will burn through muscle and fat first rather than organs and bones, because it wants, you know, you can get rid of those realistically and survive when you start to tap into bone tissue and organs, that's when things start to get a bit shit and you're not in a very nice place. So that explains that for you. And again, that's why when you, you probably heard of people who are really poorly with, you know, eating disorders and what have you, and then they have like heart failure, it's because this is what's happening. Their body is then like, I've got nowhere to take energy from and I I need to survive. So I'm going to have to start to eat into tissue. I'm going to have to start eating into heart and liver and all these things because there's nowhere else there's nowhere else for me to take it from but the more weight you lose the more activity energy expenditure drops basically which is then why typically you have to then decrease your input even though you're doing the same thing now the thing about neat and the thing about neat in general is this is probably one of the most overlooked things when it comes to overall calories burn and metabolic rate and metabolism people just think purely about the exercise sessions and people think about the food but it's this little thing called NEAT, this little magic, you know, the 10K steps a day guy that has one of the biggest impacts and influences when it comes to weight loss. And I actually did a video about this the other day. I'm not sure if the video will be up um, by the time this podcast is out or if I'm going to drop the video afterwards. I, I filmed it. I just need to, you know, post it. And I basically said that most people who started a New Year's resolution to lose weight, um, if they'd have simply just gone more so with increasing their daily steps rather than trying to do these big, big, you know, drastic diet changes, all these big drastic, you know, going to the gym changes, we'd have more people without a shadow of a doubt closer to where they want to be from a weight loss perspective. Because he needs has such a huge impact on our weight loss, but people just don't appreciate it. And when you don't actually focus on it and keep consistent with it, you can actually see huge, huge, huge variability in your day-to-day needs so what's the point in staying consistent with calories so let's just say your calories are at 1600 and you're staying consistent with that each and every single day to the letter you're not deferring you're doing your three gym sessions but then your need is all over the shop 
And some studies have shown that it can vary from something like, I think this study that I'm looking at here, it was 135 calories to 685 calories variability a day. So that's like, what, 500 calories difference. So some days it's that, some days it's that. Well, it's all over the shop. Imagine if you were having one day 1,600 and then one day 2,100. Well, your weight is going to be all over the place. You might lose weight one day and the other week and what have you. So this can be having a huge, huge impact. If you're not actually controlling that, just look at that invariability there. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't expect to be losing weight consistently if your calories were all over the shop, but your energy output is just as key as your energy input is. You need decreases as you get older. And that's one thing to consider as well. It's not that you slow down as such in terms of the internal processes, but because you are getting older and a bit more tired and a bit weaker, your body's just trying to preserve energy. So that's when you slow down a little bit um, and your need decreases. Another thing that people don't consider as well is that their need will drop if they do just do loads of crazy exercise. So let's imagine it's the new year, you started to go to the gym more and you're starting to do all these insanity, crazy training session things, you know, boot camps. And when you get home from the gym, you are absolutely freaking exhausted. So you're literally potato on the sofa until it's time to go to bed. Now, if you are doing this in crazy intense exercise session, but then you're not moving for the rest of the day because you're so exhausted, well, then your overall need is dropping, which means that your overall energy expenditure could actually be less, even though you've gone and done a planned exercise session. And with needs as well, it can actually be genetic. So some people will naturally just move a bit more um, spontaneously without like planning it. And obviously there are some things that cause people to move more from their job. So, you know, if you think about people who are like working warehouses, like I had a client who worked in a warehouse, um, like manual work, um, like picking up boxes. I think her steps were something like 15 to 20K every single day without her even trying. Whereas some people I'm like, how many steps can you do today? And they're like, oh, I'll be lucky if I get 4,000 in because my job is so sedentary and I'm literally married to my desk all day. So you've got those variables, but it's actually genetic as well. So there's a hormone called orexin um, that drives you to move more naturally. So some people who have higher levels of that are going to move more. And then there's conditions such as things like ADHD, where people just feel the need to, to be constantly moving and constantly active as part of their condition. Again, I've got a client with ADHD and I remember her first... <laughs> her first um, check-in form and I asked her about her, her weekly her weekly steps and it was her daily steps average and I think it said something like 60k and I was like oh is it, do you mean you're weekly and she went no it's my daily I was like what how the hell have you got 60k steps in every single day and it's because she never stops moving because it's just a part of her condition so some people naturally will just move that a little bit more because of their condition and the, the way they're genetically predisposed you know it's not just genetics in terms of the, the energy input and how we metabolize that but actually how much we move. And when it comes to metabolism, yes, there are huge, huge things in terms of how we process and metabolize the food that we intake, um, which is down to, like I've said, the muscle mass that we have. It can be down to hormone profiles as well. So when you have certain levels of pro home, um, low levels of hormones, you're more likely to put on certain levels of body fats. If you've got high levels of things like cortisol, you're more likely to put on um, put on body fat rather than muscle tissue. So you've got those factors and variables there to consider as well. But also not just that, it's looking at nutrient quality as well. So when you have a diet that is composed of 
more processed foods that will impact your body composition if you're eating good quality high protein foods that a lot of that food is more likely to be put on as muscle whereas you're not going to put on muscle just plowing your body with a load of junk so again it's looking at the quantity the quality of foods as well as the quantity and again that's forgotten about everyone just looks at how much it is but it can actually be the quality that can have an impact as well so neat what i'm trying to basically get across in this podcast is that I think metabolism is overlooked in the respect of your day-to-day movement, your daily activity, your walking, your just daily, how much you move. People think so much into the training and exercise. People think so much into the diet. But I just want you to actually consider your own daily movement in today's episode and go, could this be the reason that I, quote unquote, my metabolism is slow? Could this be the reason why my weight loss is slow or why I seem to gain weight quite quickly? Is it because I just don't move enough day-to-day and consistently? And this is why I'm really big at getting my clients to track their steps and get consistent with them. Because like when you don't, when you don't monitor your needs and you don't keep track of your steps, that's when you can have those huge fluctuations. Like I showed in that study of your daily movement from anywhere from hundred something calories to nearly 600. And if that fluctuates, there's no element of consistency. And if you stay staying consistent with your diet, you may as well stay consistent with your output as well. So I hope that's just been a little bit insightful as to why it seems on the surface that some people can eat more and maybe just a bit more of an insight into the world of metabolism and understanding that it isn't just this magic thing that some people have, some people don't, that you can speed up with magic foods. It's actually a lot, very much dictated by our body composition and just our daily movement, which are two things which we can impact and influence through building up our lean muscle tissue through resistance training, eating more protein and just moving more. And those simple things can have a massive, massive, massive difference on our overall metabolic rate. If this has been interesting, let me know because I realize it is a bit more of a sciencey one. Um, if you have any questions off, off this podcast based off what I've said, because I've not delved into the science too much, but if it has been interesting and insightful, let me know. And obviously, if you've got any questions, let me know. But I'm going to park this one here for today, guys. Have yourself a lovely rest of your day and I'll catch you on next week's episode.